Dimp Digital presents Idle Game Chat. Cool. So, Logan, do you remember when ABK Microsoft acquisition, still ongoing actually, actually hasn't been resolved unbelievably, but we're expecting it to pass and go through later on this year. But do you remember one of the arguments that was made about how, well, Call of Duty's not really that special? Because it ain't, it's just another first-person shooter. Anyone could, in theory, sit down and make it. And whilst, you know... That is technically true. Someone could come along and make something new. Mm -hmm. I always maintain that in this reality that we live in, this timeline, it's very, very, very unlikely because of the brand recognition, all that sort of stuff, the long-standing franchise kind of accolades that it's got, over two decades of being at the top of the charts. And the best-selling game, mostly, if not every year, it's in the top five and there's normally two of them. And there's no other game that does that on a yearly cycle. Then we got uh, the UK's best-selling games for July. And do you know what buoyed this argument? Is that 2009's Modern Warfare 2 and 2012's Black Ops 2 made it into the top five. Yes. I had seen some of this um, going around, which surprised me. And I had to delve in to understand why. A yes. little, not too heavy as usual, but I was like, why? What has made people go back? Are they just so sick of the current ones? They're looking for some nostalgia or, or what's what? No. But uh, it looks like they patched some fixes in that actually made it possible to play it again. So everyone's gone, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. They, they, there were some matchmaking fixes put in, mm. and that kind of stung people into action. And uh, they, they're out buying them. So I guess my point was, mm. other than Grand Theft Auto 5, and other than probably Red Dead Redemption 2, and maybe Red Dead Redemption, the port is now out in the wild, so we'll see next month how the sales are shaken out over that. Mm. There ain't any other franchise, let alone a first-person shooter franchise, that comes mm. out every year that's, that's going to be able to command that level of uptick, just from a, just from a, a matchmaking fix. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that perhaps maybe like if there was like a classic like Medal of Honor game or like even when I remember years ago when OG Battlefield 1942 was released on back in the Xbox Arcade on the 360. Like there, mm. there are some classic games that, that can kind of cause a, a minor swell. But I mean, I was there's a YouTuber that I follow called Wildcat. Right. No promotions unless they've paid for it. Yeah. It's because no, people that are know, paying for but... airtime on here. And then well, we'd, we'd can it, it, then. It's, <laughs> mess, we'll, we'll blurt his name out. But basically, I follow him, and he, he's quite a well-known. Um, he plays a lot of Call of Duty and uploads the majority of his videos over the years. And I think how he kind of become famous is through his YouTube videos of him playing Call of Duty with his friends and stuff. And... Um, he basically went off the boil on a lot of the Call of Duty stuff mm. lately and has been playing like various other things and, and whatnot. And then randomly on his channel, 
he's been going through with his friends playing all of these kind of like historic games and i was a bit like why is it why is he doing that and then it, i saw the data around the sales day and i was like ah oh, it's because they've released matchmaking fixes so people are actually going back and playing them but yeah in a lot of ways they still hold up right they probably, not... they probably do i mean it's not like the fps genre has moved on significantly since i mean yeah, call of duty exactly modern warfare 4 point, was like the the, the, the yeah. one for me because it's the online component once that was sorted yeah. It was like, well, let's just re, you know, not regurgitate. Let's redo this yeah. with different types of settings and and whatnot. And yeah. What's good back then is still good now. I mean, I don't know what else people yeah. would expect though. I mean, would you really expect a new fad to have come in by now? Perhaps not. But this is the point, though. I think how it goes to show. I mean, what Call of Duty Modern Warfare Four was two thousand and eight, two thousand nine. Is that right? So Modern Warfare 2 was 2009, so it would have been 2007, I'd, I'd assume, yeah. because we'd had World at War between that. So that's 16 years, yeah. right? And a, arguably, a, kid, a kid has been born and finished school yeah, in that and time. Arguably, <laughs> and look, you'll get people that, that challenge several minor updates that have been made. It's or like cancelling. Right? So, but... Yeah, I mean, it's nonsense. It, 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 but anyway, <laughs> like the core gameplay has not changed. Mm. Like if you if you got Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4 and up-resed it and made it look gorgeous and like they did do, <laughs> by the way, basically. Yes. Um, like they've added a few minor things in, like some things have got more complex, this and the other, but at its core, it's the same. And... Yeah. It's incredible, really, that they can release a game that at its core doesn't evolve. Because, I mean, we sit here and level criticisms at FIFA and a lot of yearly releases and things that just don't move on too much. But Call no. of Duty arguably gets away with it. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's... There's nothing that I'm sitting here going, you should do X, Y, and Z. I'm actually asking them to keep it at the core. Like, mm. that's the best thing about it. Like, the core works. Yeah. Um it just goes to show you that there's still a desire to play some of these like classic titles and they were and still are good to play and I, I'll let you correct me but if I go to play them on a on a console there'd be frame rate locked but I don't think the same applies um, on PC like you could presumably up 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 the yeah. frame rate and things like that. I, that this is well, where my technical limitation comes in. So this could be me lying completely, but my, I think, for, at least from Modern Warfare, mm. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, on console yeah. there was 60 FPS. Mm. And that's actually one of the reasons why they felt different. Mm. Because at that time, I compared to something like Halo... That was running yeah, at first. Yeah. Halo Three around that time yeah. would have been the one, and probably Halo, F Halo Four coming. Anyway, that's one mm. of the reasons why Call of Duty at the time, I believe, felt just felt so much better. And you couldn't put yeah. your finger on it. You just sit and you play Battlefield and go, "Well, this is more mm. of a slower pace. The maps were bigger. You could actually snipe. You know, it had, it yeah, had a different. Yeah. It definitely had a different vibe mm. to it. Mm. But on the consoles, they had a, a 60 FPS running frame rate. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I think that's definitely one of the things that gave it a bit of an edge mm. on a time when, and on a platform really that was struggling to do that, and that that continued into mm. into kind of Xbox One and PS4 generations. Because we're talking mm. Xbox 360 and PS3 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about here. Mm. And um, 
I don't actually know. Him. My brain, I, I don't know. I think my brain would, I, I, I don't know. There's something that's saying I, I can't think there'd be a 60 FPS on an Xbox 360, but I, I will take your... Could be wrong. I, I actually, I don't know that. I mean, that, the simple fact of the matter is, is that it was just a superior experience, like yeah. in every way, like the way that you you could play a first-person shooter and the way that it... What's that thing when you complete it and restart? I can't remember the word for it. Prestige. Yeah, yeah, the prestige. I know that was the first time. That was the first time I saw it, and I was like, "Wow!" I just want to. I just want to prestige once, and that was like my aim. And that took seventy hours. I mean, you boys played it. I mean, I absolutely grinded that to get to max prestige on that. But I just loved playing it. Like, yeah, it was just so good. And the map, like, you don't realize how good you had it. Like, the the core gameplay, like the all pretty much all the maps were excellent um like technically it was just a there was i can't even really think of bugs that like game breaking bugs and it was just a, an incredibly yeah, well made hackers in there crossplay would have killed it a hundred percent i mean i i must admit i for me crossplay is slightly killed and i wouldn't say killed it. i mean i've got older and mm. now you've got these young pc kids coming along with their like, and I'm just you just get destroyed, and I, you can turn it off. And sometimes I have done matchmaking where I'm like, look, I ain't dealing with that. Like, yeah, I do. You, you just know. I, th- I think on the whole, the idea of crossplay really does make sense. But for something yeah. that's always going to have players like Call of Duty, it's mm. not required, is it? I'm thinking more of a smaller game that perhaps hasn't got the audience, and you you want to make sure mm. everyone congregates and is has got a game to play when they when they go yeah. and boot it up. Call of Duty is never going to have that problem. There's always millions of people at any one time probably switching that on across all the platforms. So listen, the, the like, fact you, you can turn you, it off is a good a... option, though. The fact that it's not forced on you, you can go get me out of it. I don't want to get beaten up today. I want yeah. some console I'm pretty spots. Sure Zone, I'm pretty sure Warzone. You have to have it open but if you mm. want to just do some team deathmatch um, you've got the option just to play uh with cross play not enabled which is fine yeah. I, I understand that but i do have to i, I have to get balanced the argument is whenever you see pc players playing and they get killed they go oh i'm he's just killing us like, yeah. it's, it's always funny how you see it from the other side and it, it i'm sure it does largely level out right um but it doesn't feel like that. But I'm sure PC players don't feel like that. And you do get some brilliant console players as well that are just unbelievable. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is funny how that argument goes. I mean, Dr. Disrespect, again, another plug. But he's another you one. You don't that need it. These guys don't it. need the plug. Just plug some low lives that need it. And then maybe they'll plug us. Yeah. But the, 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 free people, the people like that and famous streamers and stuff will always moan about what I am. But anyway. Streamers. I don't actually know whether there was auto aim on like the original Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare Four. I, I think there always think has so. been, and we just mm. because we because because from our perspective, we've always played console mostly, yeah, ninety like percent mm. of it. I think we just assume we just it was there, and we never noticed it. Whereas mm. I think if a PC player went on there, like, cool, oh, it's fucking doing the work for me. It I prob- don't remember it. I don't, honestly, I don't. But it, but it, it, but it probably has been. It's, it's one of those things that when you're playing, you think you're the bollocks and you're doing it all yourself. But there's probably there's a percentage mm. of it where it's helping you, and you just, yeah, you just take yeah. it for granted. And because I've, I've yeah. played like Valorant on PC and whatnot, and yeah. I thought there was like some level of auto aim on that, but Dave said there oh. wasn't. I was just that good, and I wasn't good. <laughs> 
remember one time going on there. I think we played for about four hours and I was fucking drilled by the time we went on there. We used to go on there late nights. This was like peak yeah. lockdown time. We'd go on there about yeah. 10, 11, come off at two. Yeah. And I'd be like fucking cane by the time we got onto there because well, I'd have been playing something else before. First mm. hour, I'd be fine. Like, it was actually pretty good. Like, wouldn't wouldn't yeah. beat Hall or Dave, but I'd e- easily beat Paper, which is like the low bar that I'd set. <laughs> and then I'd just go off the boil on the second and third hour. Like, I remember going like two, three hours without getting a single kill. I was like, what yeah. am I even doing here? The thing is, it all conspires against you, right? You're sort of tiredness and, <laughs> yeah. and um, the level of inebriation gets to you at the end of it. But it is, um, you know, it is... It, it, I I preferred not knowing because in a weird kind yeah. of way, like it takes away. So you do a good shot and you go, how much of that was me? Like, now, but at now least this, this AI looking at it, the AI is probably going to be handling it for you later on. There's going to be like a yeah. adaptive AI that decides how good or poor you are and does an auto aim. Oh, I'll be like leveling, yeah, to level out the. Game. This is the one thing as well that I don't like is that I mean, what killed Call of Duty for me was was basically. Um, uh, like skill-based matchmaking, like SBMM has just absolutely ruined first-person shooters for me. <laughs> and in principle, like it makes sense, but like you, you sometimes you come up against like, an unbelievable player and you go, "This guy's unbelievable." But you would adapt your gameplay to not do certain things to avoid him, right? Yeah. And then you'd find some players and you go, "Oh, I know where they'll be. Like there'll be an easy kill, or whatever." And then three of us can go and get this tough guy or whatever. So you could. Adapt your gameplay to the lobby, but SBMM has just come in and basically leveled the playing field where everyone is at a similar level to you, mm. right? And that just makes everything like less predictable in a way, like or, or each game is sort of much more the same. Mm. Um, and every game you're sort of like struggling to get keep your kills and deaths at that kind of like level pegging thing, and getting kill streaks is more difficult. And I the whole thing for me was just... You want it um, easy? You want those bots on? Well, no, it's not that I want it easy, but I want this spectrum. I want like, a chance at feeling good about myself. Well, yeah, because you sort of come up against people that are that are inferior to you and you come up against people that are far superior. But you, the point is, is you go, I ain't going to that room because he's going to be there and he no. will do me. Like so, And that that's fine like and you can adapt it and you can go like and then three of us go around the back or whatever and you, you, you come up with tactics and i remember doing this back in the day before sbmm you mm-hmm. go that absolute jokes up there like i'm what like what are we going to do sort of thing whereas now it's just this absolute mishmash of you know you're like playing a mirror and it's yeah. you know you've got people at the same level doing either similar or better things than you. And it's, you know, some would say, oh, that's a challenge in of itself, which it is, but it just becomes sweaty. And yeah. everyone, it just, the lobbies become sweaty and it becomes exhausting. And for me, that's what was kind of the nail in the coffin in some ways for for um, online multiplayer. Yes. Yes. It's, um... We've kind of come, gone off piece there to have a bit of a Call of Duty-led discussion. but People are getting sick of it. They're like, two weeks in a row, Call of Duty. But you can't ignore the biggest well, I mean, premium release every year. Right? It's, well. an easy, it's an easy win, isn't it? It's like when all these uh, BBC, Sky Sports and football things put Manchester United in the articles. It's easy clicks. Yes. Now you're talking about like you're playing like a mirror yeah. of yourself. There was yeah, a game yeah. that was basically that. It was a single-player game. And you would play... Yeah. And then what it would do is it would look at what you were doing and then on the next level it would 
see what tactics you'll be using and then try and create like a, a shadow of yourself that's going to fight ah. against that. And you have to, to learn to adapt. Now, I can't remember what it's called. I was just done a quick search and yeah, yeah. it's coming up all level of shit here. Alpha <laughs> Go, I don't think it's that. I've got chess coming up. I mean, it's not, yeah. I mean, I haven't given it the, I'll, I'll go to chat GBT if I have to. I mean, I'll try and yeah. resist using these AI because, <laughs> you know, they will be taking over soon. But at some time, mm. you have to just bow down and say, look, normally it gets it right. So let's, mm. let's use it. So I'll try and plug that into later in on the episode. Um, yeah, but Call of Duty's old games are back in the UK's best-selling. I mean, mm. that is a very specific data set, but to us it's the most important because it's where we live for now. Correct. Well, I'm just glad that we haven't got to deal with those wildfires yet. I mean, that is just... It's a problem. Um... I, look over, I look over at that Kent Industrial Estate and I see that smoke billowing out. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm there's be- C in between it. Yeah, I know. Well, that's fine. But I'm being told to, like, not send emails with signatures on it in case it uses too much energy. And that's happening right across the, the water. I think this ain't not right here, is there? Well, this is what makes me laugh. It's kind of like this. Everyone's got... It was I always remember that. I think it was Lee Evans did a sketch around this. He's like, going, all these planes in the air, all this stuff going under. But if I switch off my red light on my TV, yeah. like... And it is a bit like that, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of like in the grand scheme of things when you see it, um, it makes you question it. But I think um, we should be good from the wildfires. Yes. Yeah, well, you're a bit more residential than I. I've got a little bit of a rural area, but not enough for it to be a problem causer. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're based in the UK, so that's why we look at the UK charts. Usually I'll try and find those European charts, but Chrissy drinks slow this week. <laughs> So that'll have to come next week. So he's cost us a topic, really, which is why stretching and filling out this one is probably needed to be done to get the time limit in. But here's the top 10 anyway for July for UK. FIFA 23, no surprise there. GTA 5, that's another specialty. Red Dead Redemption 2. Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 2009. Hogwarts Mm. Legacy. Still sticking around. F1 23. It's in there. Oh, has Mine- that made it? Well, good game. Well, is it? We'll find out. I've got faults. I'll book that in at some point. Minecraft. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 2022 and Diablo 4. So actually, if we look at that list, one, two, three, four, five of the top selling games mm-hmm. will be owned by Microsoft when that deal goes through. Because you've got Minecraft, the Call of Duties and Diablo. Yeah. And they're sitting there going, what? So, that, so, so they'll be, is. Microsoft will be PlayStation's biggest third-party partner by proxy because they'll own the top yeah, yeah, selling yeah. games on their platform. Yeah. That's mad, Ooh, isn't it? It's going to get interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. going to get I interesting. Mean, I think it's, it's, it is interesting because Microsoft have been a bit afar, I think, on it. And now they're closing the gap through an acquisition. And... You know, I wonder if we are getting to a point where eventually it will be almost a, I wouldn't say a monopoly, but like there'll be a console. You can't say that word. No, you can't. But it might not be through through Microsoft acquiring everything. It might be just because Sony just can't or don't want to compete on that front. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised. But it does make you wonder, like for Sony, you look at it and you think their strength is arguably in their software and the games they put out and their studios and you think I wonder whether they might take a look at it and go 
do we need the ball ache of all the other stuff? What if we just focus on, on the game side? don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, it seems unlikely, right? But No, I mean, um, well, it's, it's all... 10, 15 years away. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It, you know, you hear, well, it's, it's not going to have any impact now. And I'm like, well, of course. Probably won't be five. Like you said, 10 years. Mm. 10 to 15 is probably the more accurate timeline. But... We'll find out. We will dissect that entire thing if and when it goes through. There'll, be, there'll probably be a whole episode to it. No, so really. we need speculation and innuendo. Exactly. We, the fact is, oh. even even when we do that breakdown, we ain't going to know the answers until <laughs> a decade away. And then if we're still running a decade's time, then something's gone severely wrong. I'll tell you that. All much right. All right. Well, maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Call of Duty is a behemoth and can't be just built by another company, is my point. And Correct. <laughs> That's... Well, it can be, but brand Wait. loyalty is a thing, right? I mean, I could go out and make tomato ketchup, but <laughs> am I going to get people away from Heinz? No. You might get some uh, sales in Lidl if you do a Lidl's own affiliation. Yeah. That's the place yeah. to go. You can't, but yeah, you're right. Actually, pretty good to be fair, but it, you ain't pulling people away from their Heinz baked beans and no. tomato sauce and stuff. It's and there. I have tried other baked long. beans, and they just aren't as nice. Now, there's something. Are they not as nice, or just I'm not used to that taste because? When you're younger, well, when I was younger, it was always Heinz. Everything was Heinz, the yeah. sauce, everything. And I always notice when it's not. Like when you go to a restaurant and you're like, oh, I got some ketchup. Yeah. And you get it and you're like, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't Heinz. Yeah. Mayonnaise. In clothes. Mayonnaise, I'm not, I could eat yeah. have that from any place. I wouldn't know what Heinz tastes like. But ketchup and baked beans yeah, are, yeah. Um, but I don't know if they're better or taste nicer. It's just that that's what I know. So, so Ronnie just goes, that's better. And I don't know if he's right. The interesting right. thing is, if you had the choice, would you choose Coke or Pepsi? Well, I don't drink that shit, but... If you um, had the choice? I'll just choose Pepsi to annoy people because I know it'd get up people's nose. But, but yeah, generally, so I would've, most people would have drank Coke, I would assume. Most people choose Coke, but in blind taste tests, mm. 70% prefer Pepsi. Prefer Pepsi, yeah. Or something like that. So that's all. I find that interesting that people think they know what they prefer, but when you take away the actual brand... The, the taste buds, yeah, you take that sticker off it. And Is they that don't. the same for PlayStation players? They think they know what they prefer, but if we take the PlayStation logo off and then just let them play Starfield, will they go, oh, oh what have I been doing so, for these last few years? Jim, you're gone. Oh, we're taking that Starfield sticky plaster off again because well, we'll be talking about we're going to be. Uh, oh God. More, more to come <laughs> this is Idle Game Chat Dimp Digital's flagship video game podcast after 22 minutes of garbage We've got Logan here, the SGL Grand Prix winner, looking to win the championship game. Parky's struck back with Baldur's Gate. Joint highest rated game of the year so far. It's actually been highest rated on its own. And again, I've seen the like we had with Tears of the Kingdom. Highest rated game ever! The article's come out. Literally within three hours, it had dropped back below because there's not enough reviews out there. Why do these fucks do it? It really winds me up. It's literal clickbait. That's what it is. We used to do, not I wouldn't say clickbait titles, but I used to change the titles and make them ask a question. But now I'll just put the game that's headlining mm. and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't work. And it didn't work with doing the titles. So <laughs> I thought, what's the point in making the effort? Another thing I've stopped doing <laughs> is doing timestamps because it, just a, it is a fucking ag. Now, I do have the time to do it. If someone complains and says, yeah, I've missed the timestamps and I and I read a comment and I think they're being genuine, I will put them back in. But they've not been there a month and I've not heard a, a wink. So that suggests to me that people ain't that bothered. Look out because I might create an account now and then well, go, no, Oi! It, you know, I'll have to recognise the person. 
If it's a consistent moaner, they won't get listened to, though, because I know they're just whinging. Um, I'll set one up as Hosh Jewel. What do you think of that? Timestamps and podcasts? Because people are like, well, what if I want to skip through something? And I'm like, well, why do you want to do that? You've downloaded uh, yeah, it to I mean, listen to us. Just so sit when I listen it. to a podcast, I, I mean, so is that on just on YouTube, though? It'll be on YouTube and the podcast app now, the, the apps. Uh, well, it depends so on no, what app people are using. Know. If you're using a shitter, I don't think it will, but I think most these days have that functionality that you can just skip through and use the time. Uh, so there's, there's no podcast that I skip through topics on. I don't, again, to the point, it's kind of like, if I'm listening to that podcast, I'd probably want to know. What about if Paul Merson comes on to talk about Spurs? And you're like, oh. Fucking, well, if Paul Merson, you didn't need to say comes on to talk about Spurs. It's just comes if Paul talk. Merson comes on, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Paul Merson, I'll just, let, I'll just leave it to just see what fucking drivel he's waffling about. But I get your point. If there's something you don't want to listen to. Um, but I, 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 I don't think so. I, I, I do... I'm sure there's people out there that just want to something shorter to listen to, but then don't listen to a podcast. Mm. That's what YouTube video or YouTube shorts are for. Yeah. 30. So that's what TikTok and reels and Instagram, that's all that shit. Everyone's just become so used to consuming 30 seconds of information at a time though. Like, duh, 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 duh. It's like, yeah. no, just sit there. Listen to the waffle. Enjoy it. Savour it. You do have the other extreme though, where you've got Rogan doing four hour podcasts three times a week and you're like, well. Uh, yeah, that I find tricky. As much as in. I want to listen to some of that, I just go, no, <laughs> no, Joe, you're asking a lot here. You need to, you need to make this more digestible. But rain, it's tricky, isn't it? Rain it in a little bit. Anyway, mm. I'm Apps. I'm the host. Uh, we won't be here next week because it'd be bank holiday, I believe. Yes, it will be. So no podcast dropping on the public feed on the 28th because it's a UK bank holiday. All right? There might be a surprise. There will be no surprises. <laughs> I used to put really old episodes in the feed. Yeah. But then I thought, fuck that. That was more effort to download them all and get them all and add it on, yeah, yeah, write yeah. the notes and whatnot. Um, again, no one can play when they disappeared. So as long as people's quiet, I don't. I just take things out slowly and see what I can get away with. <laughs> Be like if they but get real, posted at all. Real life, can... isn't it? You go. How yeah. much of this do you really need? <laughs> how much do I need? It? Can I? Do I have to hoover yeah. this whole lounge, or can I just get the hand hoover out and do a quick corner scrub? And it's usually away the, it. It's usually the latter, isn't it? Um, yeah. We're talking about Starfield. Well, well, I mentioned it just briefly about Starfield, but it has gone gold, which means yep. now historically that means it will never get delayed. But Cyberpunk did in fact delay, so it's not a hundred percent, but it's more than likely it won't be. The reviews are to be expected on the thirty first of August, which will be a day before the early access period grants, or so I should say day one. It's not early access, is it? It's, it's day one, and Game Pass we get it day five. So it's fine. It's fine. We've been through that. It's fine. We know what they're they're playing there. Um, but it's gonna it's full steam head now. This is undoubtedly Xbox's biggest game of this year that we know about. Maybe there's another surprise yeah. appearing, but I think Forza Motorsport is on the slate. That's getting crapped on because there's legacy feet. Well, they're not doing split screen co op. And guess no one cares. Well, I don't. I agree. Most people don't care. But you know what? They're not doing it because no one cares. And there are people that do care. There are definitely people that care, but it's, it is small. But yeah. the only reason they're not doing it is because that Series S is struggling. It's cock blocking again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people yeah, are, yeah. But and there's, there's things like spectator mode that are not. I mean, 
the people that play in leagues and stuff do use the spectator mode stuff. So I don't know. There's basically features mm. that were there in the last one that aren't in this one, and the people are annoying. Interesting. Mm. And um, that's always going to get you some smoke, but you know we're not here to talk about that. But Starfield's <laughs> undoubtedly the crown jewel. It has gone gold. I said it'll be released on the 6th on Game Pass. So actually day five or six. I don't know what how to do the maths on that. But the, if you pay up, you can get it early on September 1st. Reviews expected August 31st. Now's the time for you to put your neck on the chopping block and say, what score is Starfield going to get? Do you think, based on whatever logic you decide to apply, maybe no logic, just a gut feeling perhaps, and... We always say there's normally a window of plus five, minus five. So there's a big old mm. place you can aim for here. But what are you expecting based on just what what has happened in, yeah. in previous releases and the high-profile nature of Starfield? It's been delayed by about yeah. a year as well. It's supposed to come last year. I mean, God knows what was mm. going on back there. But So I up. my gut feel with this game is there's going to be a lot that's going to be good about it and there's going to be a lot that people are going to enjoy. But I think... I don't think the depth is going to be... I don't think this is going to be as deep as people want or perhaps expect. Oh. I think everyone will be like, oh, it would be good if we could do this, or oh, why can't we do that? I think there'll be an element of, like... Because you see this big, expansive world, and then <laughs> as people play it, I think they'll see the boundaries to it a mm. bit more. Um, but I think it initially... I think everyone's going to be on a bit of a hype train with it and the reviews will probably represent that. I I think it will be This is an around, accurate score we're looking at for open. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be 87 maybe up to like 90 or something. I, I think a couple of people will come in with that 8 out of 10 and hmm. I think a lot will come in with like 9s and stuff as well. So I think probably high 80s for yeah. me is where I'd see it so, landing up. So an 87 for you. I'm going to only go a couple more and say an 89. Mm. So it could reach as far as like a 94 maybe. Um, mm. I don't expect it to go much lower than an 84. That's where I'd I'd peg it. I'd, I tend to agree that it will do... That's, and that will be... I think an 87 would... I think anything over... I mean, it's really getting into yeah, the weeds yeah. here, but what number signifies success? Because people yeah, have been yeah, saying, yeah. and we've said it, that when it comes to the big, expensive, 70 UK pound mm. games nowadays, Xbox yeah. haven't had the firepower to, to, to really compel the audience. What would mm. a score... What would a minimum score need to be to, to get that chick in the box? When you say, finally, Phil... You got yeah. one. Because would an 87 well, think, be enough? I think that probably would. But would an 84 yeah. be enough? I think that's perhaps It's pedantic to discuss the numbers yeah. that way. But that's how people will look at it, especially those tribal fucks on the Blue Blood side. They'll be like, oh, 84. <laughs> got a war of 94. Yeah. This is, this is the tricky thing, right? Is that, you know, Nintendo and Sony have chucked out plus 90 games. Like... Mm. I wouldn't say regularly, but they've done more it. Way, they've done it <laughs> way more regularly than, than Xbox and Microsoft have, have been able to. So I feel like there is pressure on this to get above a 90. Mm. Like I really do. I think... Baldur's Gate, 96, 97. What's that point yeah. pulled out of people's asses for? Oh, no. That, that to That's me, seems the pressure like, on. 
I think it has in a, in a weird kind of way. Um, I mean, I, I think a high eighties game would be a success. I mean, I, you know, I would agree with that personally. I was wondering what the optics looked like when they say we had God of War last year and it was ninety, and then you have got Spider Man coming later on, which might might add that yeah. people they only got an eighty. I say only it got an eighty five, which actually isn't on the high end of what Sony mm. have, have churned out. But yeah. I do think there's something about it just optically getting a nine zero or a nine one or a nine whatever yeah. that would just solidify yeah. it. It would watertight the argument, wouldn't it? And it would be, there'd be no discussion for it. Yeah, I think an eight Almost. out of ten is is obviously you know a good score. But for when you when we're talking about games knocking out of the park, you want like nine out of tens. Mm. And a lot of I'll say a lot a, a number of the Sony and Nintendo games have done that with the critics yeah. and Microsoft haven't and especially coming off the back of a really shit release earlier in the year um, yeah. you'd be looking for them to make up some ground so that that one is seen as a blip more than anything um, but I don't know I, I, I don't know if it's just because of how Microsoft have have been lately I'm just a little bit wary of uh, as we know of, of over egging it with this one um, mm. I think they've they've just had real problems with their games and I want it to be good. I want Xbox to start releasing yeah. games, even if they're not particularly my bag, I want them to start knocking it out of the park because when the game comes along that I do want to play, it should be all the better for it. Yep. Um so yeah, I think high eighties will be you know, even mid to high eighties would be good, but mm. you really would want them to be Hit getting a ninety average. That'd I think be a that'd nice be a real little optical win, wouldn't it? Finally, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and you know, then you start in to to argue over a couple of points, you know, between a ninety four and ninety threes and nineties and ninety ones. So it's kind of like as long as it tips over that nine zero, I think you're in the you're in the you're in the good good place to be. But we've both backed it to fall under that, so I think bit... it will. I think I think there'll be people that want to, in some ways knock it down a little bit and Jim's, I think there will Jim's be Jim's going to hire a load of reviewers to give it 4 out of 10s yeah. and start dumping the yeah. score push square says you'd be, be some... putting 4 on that I think yeah. know what? we know where their allegiance sits um, but I think Jewel there will shockers, be some 3 out of 10 controversial I think there'll be people going oh this that and the other or that you know frame rate this or you know there'll be things that, that people pick up on with that I think it, there'll be some around depth some around technical aspects of the game i think i think there'll be a few of those that knock it down a, a peg from that 90 yeah that's my gut feel i hope not though i, I mean I, I do feel like i side i mean i'll probably side 60 40 to, to sort of microsoft i probably do sit ever so slightly in terms of favoring that that platform mm. um and even then i feel like there'll be a few that that want to that will identify things that don't quite make it that kind of 9 out of 10, which is fair. Like, if those things are there, like it does become a, an 8 out of 10 or whatever game because yeah. God of War and things like that didn't have, you know, was the overall package. So it's, it's fair if they do it, but we'll see. It's interesting. Very interesting, especially in the wake of Baldur's Gate 3, which is just sort of... I think the score, I mean, the, 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 the highest scoring nature mm. of that has caught everyone off guard. And there's actually a conversation I've thought about pushing it in but i couldn't really be asked to go through the the rigmarole of the actual detail but there's a lot of there is there is noise stirring about there's certain developers that have come out and said 
Baldur's Free is Baldur's Gate Free is great, but don't expect us to be able to produce the same quality. And it's this has something like Baldur's Gate Free raised the bar to unreasonable levels in terms of a, a standard expectation. Mm. I mean, my, my simple argument is tough. Yeah. And and I, mean, I, w- yeah, and I will say yeah. this will go away. The same way in which Breath of the Wild, everyone went, that's going to change open world gaming. Mm. I mean, it's what, six, seven, six years on? I haven't mm. seen much. I mean, I've seen a few bits of that, but it's not like I've seen loads of Zelda clones or people really taking that mantle up. In fact, Tears of the Kingdom is, is probably the next game that did it. Elden Ring, everyone was like, wow, that's really going to change things. It's probably a bit early to say if that does or not, but mm. the hype for that has gone down. I think the bar goes up artificially in the wake of such a big you know, mm. release, and then over time it comes back down and then you know, Assassin's Creed comes out and it gets a solid 80 score and, you know, that's it. That's the end of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's something to it, though. I mean, I don't think people should moan that certain developers release a game that lifts the bar to an unattainable height for others. Like, that's yeah. the nature of capitalism. That's the nature of competition yeah. is that everyone pushes each other and that people are driven to produce better things and better products yeah. to, to meet that bar. So that's progress, right? Yeah. Um, it's not like all of a sudden something's in one game and it completely makes another game unplayably poor or, you know, it's very rarely do, do those sort of things happen. I mean, from my perspective in first person shooters, it's being able to aim down sights like that <laughs> is an example of a, like, I don't like games, but I can't do that. I feel like mm. it's missing, but uh, at its core, there's very few things, especially in like an open world game or an RPG and things like that. It's kind of like, is there really that much game-changing stuff? I mean, yeah, there'll be things in there where you go, this is great, it's in there. But yeah. um, as you say, naturally, you come to play another one, you can go, I can still appreciate it and this is still yeah. good. No, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think there's there's obviously concerns going on and there's then there's the other side, which is like, no, you must, the bar must be raised. But I think all that's temporary just because in mm. the moment, that's what people mm. say. But yet in a year's time... It's like, are people really going to be still referring back to Baldur's Gate 3 for a number of things? There might be a few elements that people pick out. Like I always pick out The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, and the side quests being like yeah. the gold standard. And really, since then, nothing's got close to that. <laughs> but I don't sit there and go, oh, I can't play this game because the side quests aren't. It's, like, it's just like, okay, it's not there. We're still There's still a struggle to get to that stage. I don't expect mm. every studio to do it, but... To do anything other than celebrate something that's clearly resonating and great seems odd to me. And yeah, yeah, yeah it should light a fire under some people's ass. And yes, every developer has different circumstances and probably can't do it if they're an indie studio. But you're telling me that anything backed by a major publisher doesn't have the money to make something <laughs> like that happen? I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm I not having grapes. Oh, yeah, yeah. There is there's Scared. an element of that, I think. Yeah, going, oh. That looks hard. How did they do that? Well, yeah. we, we don't expect that it was all the in, time. It was in early access for three years. Well, they made that choice. They. My point of early access is there's a lot of games that go into early access and end up complete toss. I've been yeah. through that cycle dozens of times where I'll get into something early access. It sits there for five years, and then what comes out is like, okay. Like the fact that it's got through that process and come out better from it is, a, is to be commended. And that is a risk yeah, in yeah. itself. 
Mm. You know, when you when you when you label something early access, there's always a chance that people are like, nah. Yeah, well, I think to your to point it. though, people have got burnt by it. Yeah. Like early access used to be a thing where it's kind of like let us know your feedback and we'll we'll work with that and change things. But yeah. early access just become this sort of more of a technical um, feasibility and stability project rather than actually play a game and see how it resonates with well, the community. Early access to fields now is day one releases so he's he's changing the language naughty but no the fact that Baldur's gate came out of that process probably for the better is is a skill in mm. itself yeah to yeah. be able to to be able to navigate those waters where you've got the most vocal probably the most passionate fans which are difficult to deal with because they'll want xyz and a mm. b and c and you're like well we can't do all that but we can do a handful of that it must be difficult to negotiate but yeah anyway yeah. i don't be worrying about the impact of Baldur's Gate 3. I will get round to it when I've got a spare. It's going to take two months. In my head, what I've... A spare quarter. Well, uh, you're probably right. It's probably a spare three months where that needs to be done. So November's looking the most likely and that would then get me into end of January and providing there's nothing appearing in January, that's probably a good place to aim. So I'll be having thoughts on that. Adkins has jumped on the bandwagon. He loves a bandwagon. He falls even off them quickly. Well, the thing is, he, he he always tries to pride himself. He goes, look, I'll, I'll never play a game unless I've played all the games in the series. I always catch up. And then as soon as something like Baldur's Gate 3 comes along where catching up requires you know actual effort, nah, I'll just jump straight on the bandwagon. He's a fucking poser, that boy. I know he listens, so that's why I say things like that. Anyway, we've been... We've been um, quite positive on Nintendo halfway through the year. You gave them the highest letter grade in. Um, but we have maintained a level of negativity as well, particularly when it comes to things like Pokemon, which I think from a quality standpoint, and we're talking technical quality, has just been so deficient, so poorly. Like, just why? Why is such a big franchise getting treated like this? You've got all these cool ideas... The, mm. the the structure of it sounds like it's gonna it's gonna be something to hang your hat on going forward, but the technical garbage that they've wheeled out, and we're not talking about it just running at thirty frames per second. We're talking about literal bugs and inconsistent frame rates. Like it's just a bad technical package. Well, mm-hmm. the Pokemon yeah. company are quote having conversations about release schedules and, insu- and ensuring quality. The company's COO appears to acknowledge the recent technical issues. Quote, I think in general, if you look at the past, the path we've taken up until now has been this constant release, always regularly releasing products on a fairly fixed kind of cadence, you might say. Always always having these products able to be introduced and new experiences for our customers. And that's how we've operated up until now. I think we're still operating that way. But there's more and more conversations as the development environments change about how we can continue to do this while making sure we're ensuring the re- the really quality products are also being introduced. So is this a light at the end of the tunnel that they've reckoned? Because for the first time in many, many years, Nintendo came out and apologised for Scarlet and Violet's technical state. But yeah, that's, that's to it. We covered it. <laughs> are they now thinking, perhaps we should just take a little bit more time? We don't... It doesn't matter when you release a Pokemon game, it's going to sell. Yeah. You know, you can release it whenever. Mm. There's no rush to get these things out. Is this 
something to be hang our hats on and be like, yes, well done, Pokemon Company and Game Freak and Nintendo who own part of this weird am- amalgamation. Or we, is this just absolute guff that's going to be... We'll find out in a few years that it was nonsense. Well, we'll find out on the next uh, next release, right? We'll probably I come mean, next year, knowing then the fucking release schedule they're on. It's absurd. It, 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 uh, I mean, you talk about franchise fatigue, but good lord. Um, yeah, I mean, I do wonder how much they'll hang their hat on it because their games sell like hotcakes, whether they're good bad indifferent yeah. like do you know what i mean like it, they could just chuck a load of shit out like literal shit and it would it would sell because it's got that pokemon brand so i do wonder where the incentive is for them to really uh put time and effort into it and look they are constrained by that bag of shit console at the moment that i mean we've been through this before and we've said there are other games that are released that look better that play better that perform better so it's not an excuse but um it's fair to say it's not the uh, not the most powerful thing in the world, but yeah. just something more polished and consistent and would be welcome. I think um, yeah. you want the whole package, right? Yeah, I mean that's 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 pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, talk is I always say talk is cheap. Proofs no. in the pudding, classic saying. Talk is cheap and. You know, that's the one thing that I'll get on Phil's ass about. He might be a friend of the show, but he don't half just talk. He does. <laughs> he gives. The, he says the right things, but he needs to get that star filled out. Yeah. And it well, be a success. The, the latest thing was that they're they're going to close their Xbox 360 store. So it's going to be. I think VGC did an analysis. There's 220 games. That means they'll disappear. So preservation gone for those games that like you buy them now in I think it's sometime next year they'll be gone for good and yet it was only 18 months ago that phil was going we need to do more about game preservation it's like well <laughs> if you're gonna say things back out of your actions otherwise it don't mean a lot to me but yeah with pokemon i would welcome <laughs> i think everyone would welcome a higher level of quality control on the, on the technical front because that's that scarlet and violet was just a disgrace in my view and there's no and even if we take away the quality argument we didn't need two pokemon games in a year like that no didn't need no. legends arceus followed by scarlet and violet no one was asking for that you could have <laughs> could have waited to this time this year and released it in a, in a probably a better state so i hope they just don't overload the market again and they're a bit more strategic about when they release things because it's is this there's no need no, I was a bit taken aback by it when they did that. I was a bit like, "What, what are we doing here?" Like, it's almost like Call of Duty releasing two games one year. You go, "What are you doing?" Like, I barely yeah. finished this one. Like, where, what are we doing? So yeah, it was a bit of an odd one for them. But you know, it sold like hotcakes. So exactly. I mean, that's the in a numbers perspective, it's a win. But um, just from diff- a pure gone. No, it's difficult to sometimes talk about things like that because. You're right. It does sell like hotcakes, which which gives the reason why. But then every conversation would end in, well, we know why they do it. It makes money. Yeah. And so is that really the, the, the sentiment you want to have? Yeah. You know, you're being bled like a like a cash cow. <clears throat> That's what people want, I think. But we'll see. I think that'll do this week. Get on that bank holiday break. <laughs> what time are you picking me up later for? <laughs> 
can't just transition out like that. I can. I have. <laughs> Tekken, Kirby Star Allies, or Spirit Ferrer? That's your choice. So we got, <laughs> so we got Kirby Star Allies or Spirit Ferrer. Spirit Ferrer was that a seven. joint one. Yes, I think or it Tekken was. Seven. Yeah. Let's do Spirit Ferrer, shall we? Get that because that was a joint one. Get that out of the way with. So that's what's coming later on. The longest game I've ever played. That's not true, but it was longer than the longest palate cleanser. That's for sure. That was the yeah. That was the killer, wasn't it? Should have done some research, but didn't. But that's what's coming for people to close out the episode. So we're on bank holiday break next week. Logan's picking me up later on to go in the pub. Yeah. Four yeah. p.m. I've heard. Uh, well, probably more like any time after five. Hmm. I think three p.m. <laughs> just go down there for lunch that'll be easier come for back. me but there we go anyway we'll be doing Spirit Farah. is it Farah Farah I can't remember anyway it is Spirit Farah yeah you're yeah. fairing spirits fairing yeah going on that channel ferry was an experience like a floating airport across I that. haven't I haven't been on I, I think I did that in year six at school yeah. on the ferry to France yeah but I've never been on it since. And all I remember is this distinct... I think there was quite a bit of choppy waters. I remember plates going fucking everywhere. Yeah, we're quite lucky. On the way back, it was a little bit of a blow, but it wasn't so bad. Mm. Um, but on the way, it was. It could have been worse, is what I was told. But it's like a floating <laughs> airport. It's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you can't really... You think, oh, I'll just sit outside. It'd be nice. Nope, it'll blow your head no, off with the breeze. it's horrible. Yeah, it's, back indoors. Yeah. So you just sit in that overpriced coffee shop and bar and just whittle away an hour and a half and then get off. Have you been since? Uh, like when, I went, when, I went, when I went to Belgium, I went on the ferry. The other oh, you weekend. did, did you? Yeah. So it took, I'll tell you what, the Calais and Dover, it took about what? three hours to get through all the tour. Yeah. Check it. And I was like, this is supposed to be easier than an airport. It ain't now. Would you do that again or would no, you fly? Let's, no, I'll just fly. I mean, the, the whole point was it would be easier and it was because we didn't have to do anything, but it took longer. Yeah. By, and I was like, that is diabolical. Go all the way to Belgium on the Euro yeah. train thing. What do they call it? Euro. Well, there's a, there's, you can drive your car on there as well now. You can, you know, you can do all that business and get a train rather than the ferry. So that, mm. but yeah, nightmare. So that's, that's where Spirit Ferrer comes. That's what it reminded me of getting on that floating airport. Trapped with floating airport. It is. <laughs> and going on like just a normal boat, like a catamaran, is like a floating caravan. It's not always cracked up to be this sea living nonsense. I forgot you did that. Uh, anyway, Spirit Fair is coming. Idle Game Chat's out for a, just over a week or so. And we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Welcome to the DIMP Digital Voicemail Service. Please leave a message after the tone. Hello, Apps here. Gonna talk to you guys about Jurassic World Evolution. The full package, which isn't what the um, the game's called. It's just that now I've played all of the DLC campaigns that were on offer. These are These are paid sort of DLC expansions. And previously, when I'd spoken about it as an idle game chat many years ago, 
I'd only talked about the base game. And I said, I will go back and do the DLC one day. Did I think it was going to take three years for me to get round to it? Probably not, but I've done it now. Um, so let's talk through the DLC packs generally. I'm not going to waste too much time here. There's three of them that I played through. Each have their own sort of unique campaign. You've got the secrets of Dr. Wu, who is a character from the Jurassic Park slash world uh, lore. He, he pops up in... A lot of the films, if not... Well, actually, not all of them, but most of them nowadays. Um, and you're carrying out various tasks and um, activities on an off-site park that he's kind of building in secret. So there's some little bit of cloak and daggers going on there, and he's asking for some very specific dinosaurs to be created for some desires of his that you may or may not find out. Then we've got Claire's Sanctuary, which is a bit of a shift, whereas The Secrets of Dr. Wu is is park-based still. Claire's Sanctuary is kind of split into two parts. One, you land on on, on one of the islands, and I believe it's to do with the film, uh, the second one, and um, there's a a volcano that's going to erupt, and you're tasked with saving as many of the dinosaurs as possible, taking them off of the, the island that's going to just be melted by lava, and putting them into a new sanctuary, as they call it, and then sort of do the, the usual park building stuff. So the first part of that is actually quite intriguing because all the dinosaurs are loose. You've got to build the fencing up from scratch, and then then there's specific activities and capture requests that you've got to fulfil in order to, order to progress. And then you move into the next part of it, and then you've got some new bits and pieces, new items to use, um, and, and, and new sort of park park items to, to put in for all of your um, sandbox stuff as well so it comes with a campaign plus new items as does the secrets of dr Wu. the highlight for me though is the third and final dlc that they released called return to jurassic park this is basically a what if scenario what if after the disaster of jurassic park um they decide to go back and try and fix the problem there and then so it's set it's set a few months i believe after the disaster Everyone's been kicked out, Hammond and all the all the crew are there. And he asks you to go back and set up the park and try and get it up and running as it was intended. And what's cool about this is it's got a full voice cast from the films. Obviously, Attenborough has passed away, so he's not doing the voice lines. But Alan Grant and, you know, obviously Jeff Goldblum returns as well. They're all there lurking. In the giving it, giving out their voices, Sadler as well. So that gives it a nice flavour of authenticity. And then the actual park mechanics themselves, while similar, are actually fundamentally different from the perspective of you use the um, the tracks and the cars as a vehicle to get the crowd and the audience to view the dinosaurs. So no longer do you build paths for them to walk around and then put up viewing galleries like static things. You have to kind of construct the park and the fencing and the enclosures around where you're going to put the track and where you want the cars to go. So that introduces and changes how you fundamentally set up the park. And when you first get there, obviously everything's loose. So you need to first of all get the the park under control. So that's good fun. It's, you know, it's tongue in cheek. It definitely makes fun of characters and movies and even has some some of the unique characters that were made in Jurassic World Evolution. I think his name's Cabot, like the finance man. He's a younger version of himself in this because it's set in like 1993. It has all the all the right graphics and stickers and it feels authentic to what Jurassic Park would be versus Jurassic World. There's a distinction between how the parks operate and all the all the logos and whatnot. So 
I really enjoyed that. And to be honest, I really enjoyed the game overall. I enjoyed the base game, Jurassic World Evolution. And these DLCs added about another, I'd say, 20 to 30 hours of content um, across the three campaigns. So they're, they're pretty meaty. Now, I was very thorough with them. I wanted to get five stars on each of the, the parks where that was possible. So that took longer than what it would take just to sort of get through the activities and complete the, the campaign. But generally very impressed with what they've added there. And I think this is really a good park sim game. And the fact that it's based around Jurassic World is just a, an added touch as well. So anyway, my kind of official look and, and, and grading, I guess, for Jurassic World with all the DLC comes out at a silver. I do think this is a, a good a good effort and, a, and great in many, many aspects. A, a really authentic and... And and nice, nice thing to have for a property that doesn't always get nice things, including the Jurassic World films, which have gone off the board a little bit, in my opinion. So this is this is nice to see. You could tell the developers are big fans of the source material, and that always shines through. So a silver for Jurassic World Evolution, including all the DLC packs that are available. Um, nothing more for me to say other than thanks for your time and ta-da. Here we are then. Back with some gaming impressions, this time joined by resident referee Logan to see us out on this week's podcast, here to chat about a game actually I played last year and spoke about, Spiritfarer. All right, is it Spiritfarer, Spiritfarer? What are we going with? Because we need to get consistency. I don't think it's a particularly difficult one, but you know what I'm like, once I've learnt the mistake, I'll keep saying it. So I'll take it's, your lead. Yeah, it's Spirit Fairer. Spirit Fairer, because you're ferrying. Yeah. Ferret well. You're ferrying, technically. Mm. It should be Spirit Ferrier. Yeah, then you're getting you're all t- snarled up, though, with those R's, aren't you? That's... Too many R's. It's not ideal. But, yeah, it's, nope. been, it's been a while since this has appeared in any DIMP digital content. It, it came across my desk, I feel like it was almost a year ago, as we record this piece. And I shared my opinions on it, but always good to get a second opinion. Always good. Different perspectives. Um, one and done's, you know, that's all right to do sometimes. But generally, getting more opinions in, I feel, is better, even if it's been covered before. Been long enough as well. It's not like it's, you know, one week later we're redoing it and re- mm. people going, you're regurgitating stuff. It's like, well. <laughs> There's only so Different many opinions. There are it? only so many games out there, let's be honest. Now, there's plenty to be getting on with, but there will be some overlap, especially with the popular ones. Anyway, Spirit Fairer. What tempted you into this? Because uh, yeah. you obviously don't listen to the podcast because you'd have heard my opinion of it warning people away from it. And we know you don't listen because you ask basic questions sometimes. I was like, well, he ain't listened, is he? That's been covered. Nah. All the all nah. the top gaming news is covered in in great detail by usually Adkins and I but so I, I wasn't in your ear roll to warn you off but you've gone off on your own accord and just I guess stumbled across this on Game Pass and thought well hang on palate cleanser opportunity yeah I've always been aware of it mm. now I don't know whether Steve has been tricking me and I feel like he has tricked me but for some reason I th- there was something in my head where I thought I've heard somewhere this is a good indie game now, yeah. I don't know where, but it, it's, it's like a load of things that are lined in my brain that said, 
do to play it basically right and i don't know what those things were but basically it was one of those things where i was like okay little indie palette cleanser jobby i quite liked the little brief description that it had on the store mm. um as i say it's a game pass jobby and i thought why not no I really? Kinda, to be honest, I've just looked on Open Critic. I've got enough on my plate. Well, no, it's sometimes one of those things. I looked on Open Critic to check the scores. 87, so that's, mm. that's exceptionally high in, in comparison yeah. to a lot of games. Like mm. For an indie title that's come out of a studio that not a lot of people are aware of. So it's mm. no surprise it was getting some level of commentary and spotlight put on it. I mean, mm. You've got, got an aggregate score of 87 on Open Critic. It's, it's going to make the rounds, isn't it? in various news beat cycles and websites. So, Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I looked at that at some point when we were doing the gaming, yeah. fantasy gaming draft or something like that, but there was something in my head that went that reviewed or scored well mm. or so, something along those lines. So I thought, and it was just, I can't remember specifically what it was, but it basically looked like a zero stress game. Like, <laughs> this game ain't going to stress me out. I'm going to have very little complexity. It's just one that I can get through in tops 10 hours and uh move on with my life yeah i I had exactly the same expectations and you know maybe there's a lesson to be learned at the end of all this about making our own expectations up and trying to live in that reality when the reality is very different is is that the game's fault that we've created our own narrative and decided that's what it's going to be and then when it's not gone well because a quick google could have told us that the length of this game far exceeded mm. what we were expecting and on game yeah. length how do you know how much you put into it because i think i clocked in at like 35 hours or something when i was all said and done. yeah I so I, f- I was just a shade under 35 hours yeah. i think i was literally about 34 hours 45 minutes when on my save when i when i walked away from it i mean I didn't expect that. That's one of my criticisms of it. But again, is that even fair? Well, I guess we'll get into it for you. But it, mm. it's a, one thing for people that are tempted by this. It's not a short game. It's not a. It's not what you'd put. Not what I would put in the palette cleanser category because it's too long. You know, you want no. you want a weekend type game for those. You want yeah. a couple of. Mm. You know, ten hours is pushing it, but you know, sub mm. ten is where you want to aim for. And this just from lack of research to me, looked like it ticked that box and, and clearly it didn't. Mm. Let's get into it. For those that aren't aware of what Spirit Fair is, how would you describe this to them? Because it is, if nothing else, a unique little premise and game. Um, it does right. have its own so, charm. I can't... Can if you Whilst I'm talking about this, if you can find the wording on the Xbox store mm. for me, I'd appreciate it. I'll dig it out. Um, because there's something in that wording that made me... It's a specific set of about four words put together that I went, hmm. I'm pretty sure it's like building management or something along those lines. But anyway, basically, I thought this is going to be, based on what they gave, what the description was, it's going to be like a Fallout Shelter-style game. Obviously, you can see on the picture there's a boat there and you're ferrying people. But yeah. whilst you're ferrying them from, I presumed, like to the afterlife, whatever it is, you, yeah. you have to meet their needs. Yes. So I expect to have to keep people happy, build certain things, level up somehow, do all that kind of stuff, but basically build up my ship. Yes. Um, and that's pretty much what I expected um, from it. But I don't know whether that's now fair in hindsight to make that assumption from what I saw on the Xbox store. Well, here's, here's the reader. It's actually got a, a 
not a typical page. It's kind of got like a little headline, then some pictures, mm. little small bit, and at the end it's got a longer bit. So, uh, Spirit Fair, what will you leave behind? Is the is the headline? It's a Spirit Fair is a clo- is a cozy management game about dying. Yeah. <laughs> As ferry master to the deceased, build a boat to explore the world, care for your spirit friends, and guide them across the mystical seas to finally release them into the afterlife. And then it's got all the you know, pictures, it's got like run, jump, yeah. glide, it's got explore a fantastic world, unwind for hours. And you know, well, look. I should have paid attention to right. that bit, really. Look, this is on us. And I had this happen with um, with Far changing tide, didn't I? When I didn't know there's a sequel. I, th- I thought it was the first game. It, it was all written in front of me and I hadn't, I hadn't read it. But this is literally on the store. Unwind for hours. Unwind for hours in into a cosy, into cosy and relaxing gameplay. 30 hours to finish. Hun- oh, does it say that there? Yep, hundreds more to experience everything Spirit Ferrer has to offer. Offer hundreds. I mean, I don't know how people are. I've done a lot of it, but I don't know if I could have got to a hundred by the end of it. I mean, that's uh, you know, I have to eat some crow there because it's written there, mm. literally on the fucking store. I can't. Yeah, I, mean, I can I, no longer I, hold that against the game. That's a. I'm sorry. He's putting it out there. Yeah, he's putting that out there. Thunder Lotus yeah. and they the developers and they published it themselves. I'm sorry for the for criticizing the game based on its length mm. and me expecting something different because you Well, I wonder if they've added that after they heard my review. I wonder whether they've they've seen they've heard because, Idle Game Chat yeah. for the week and gone cool, that's a good point. Let's get it out there. So I think they I listening. still think it's a valid criticism. Like a game can be too long. Yes. It, like they can it's like Assassin's Creed if they went you, there's 100 hours here Valhalla yeah this is what I'm saying like, it, you'd go alright like, it's not it just is a big game but it's whether the key to the length of a game is whether there's enough there that makes that justifiable it's not the sheer length of it in isolation because if you look at GTA 5 for example hmm. I mean you could literally still be playing that game now well, God knows how long what 10 I've, years after it's released or something. Got it. I could I could boot it up right now if I wanted. I, I mm. yeah, I I do agree with you, but I do and this is just for myself and you can yeah. you can answer for for you. I definitely was caught off guard just for how long it was because I came in thinking it was going to be shorter, so that absolutely mm. tarnished my um my perspective on it, which in hindsight, having seen the page, it's clearly mm. kind of stayed. I because I I was ready to play it over a week and then move on to something else. I had something lined up, and I was like, "Yeah, fucking hell, this game don't end, does it?" And quite clearly, that was there. But if the game's not good enough to justify its length, that is a that is a conversation. But I'm I'm saying from my perspective, I absolutely unfairly yeah. used my expectations going in to, to which tarnished it. Tarnished it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's mm. what happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but learning here, wow! At the same time, it, 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 you, whatever you play, you have a certain expectation of length, whether you've looked it up or not. I mean, yeah. going using Assassin's Creed as an example, I expected it to be long. Did I expect to spend over hundred hours in the base game? No, and that was criticised for yeah. its uh, its size. So it's it's still a fair criticism, but it, I know what you mean. Like the fact that they go look. This ain't going to be a quick one for you. This ain't your typical palette cleanser based on length alone. Mm. So how about you back off? And I, I didn't, even, <laughs> didn't even read. It's these last few games are like this and far changing tides. Let's talk. We just just read the mm. description because there's often there's information in there to. 
to to help you out. So do you like knowing the length though? Like if someone said to you, double-edged sword. I have hmm. scolded Adkins for revealing such information on certain games. He's had the sharp end of my tongue a couple of times of things like that. Mm. So, no. But then in this case, I'm like, of course I would want to know. You know, the reason, mm. the, the reality is, I am eight times slower than most players anyway. So whatever length they put on there, I have to think, well, add 15 hours to that because Ronnie will be mm. investigating all sorts. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't like to know the length. I think as I'm trying to get more organised with release dates, lining things up, I kind of have to have a level, a baseline to go against so I can be like, right, I, I can fit that in. Well, it's, and we're going off piece here, yeah, but well. would you would you appreciate like a small, medium and large kind of ranking system? Like a tag? Yeah, of some sort. So you could at least like see, you don't need to know how long it is, just to, but you know that if it's small, you know and it's under 20 hours. If it's medium, it's under 50 hours. And if it's large, you know it's plus 50 hours. Something like that. Oh yeah, that would be, be ideal. That would be perfect. And you know what? The Xbox Store on the on the PC anyway, does have tagging on there. I don't mean it's got anything for length, but it has things like co-op mm. or cross-play or uh, play anywhere. It's one I look for. So I'm like, oh, can I play yeah. that on the PC if I'm on the Xbox, if I want to stream it, for mm. example. So I think they could introduce that and then it's up to developers. They go Xbox or whoever it is, the platform holder, say, here's the categories. Ten hour, Under 10 hours is small or whatever. T- yeah. 10 to 25 is medium. Above that is higher. And then you could just glance and say, okay, I'm looking. They've got so much stuff to be getting on with. They haven't got time to cater for these needs. Well, they <laughs> I mean, they've, ri- they've really written like... it on the bloody store. <laughs> they've, done, they've done it. Yeah, but I'm just trying to... I think I it, would it... love that. I'm not going to lie. I think yeah. that would be useful. But I then I think outside of my own head and think who else is going to be using that other than... Me I'd like to know. Well, there's two weirdos <laughs> in it. <laughs> just so that I can set expectations. I agree. But yeah. That's all I want to know. It's just I want to know whether what I'm playing is a is a long game or a short game. Well, there are like, websites like howlongtobeat.com. Yeah. Third party. I know that people can, they can log what they want. And there's no proof that they've spent the hours in there. That does give a, I think, a rough guide, albeit mm. it's from the community kind of, keeping that afloat yeah. and I don't like communities being kept afloat because if they go under you lose the lot whereas if the platform holders <laughs> do it well they could remove it I guess but that would be useful for me and in this yeah. instance I feel like I would have been like okay maybe I'll wait until I finish my next project and then yeah. jump into this but can't turn back time unfortunately <laughs> well back to, to Spirit Fire itself what are what's your takeaways because <laughs> You know, length aside, which has now been discussed. It sounds like it didn't warrant the 30-odd hours, is what you're saying. And well, you're sort of suggesting that even if you'd known that going in, that wouldn't have, it still would have been the same outcome. Possibly. I think, so, I guess at a really high level, when I got into it, like I like, I like games where I can level stuff up and mm. I can, you know, aim for the next bit and gradually build things. I like that mechanic um i guess what i was expecting to do was to understand these people's lives i think that's what i was going to try and get to and understand what they liked what they disliked you know and have a bit more impact i think on on that but you just kind of end up going through the motions is how i'd describe it 
Yeah, um, it's a bit of a tick box exercise. Like, there's no real, you know, you've got a set of things that they want you to do. And it's quite rigid in the way you've got to perform those. Yeah. There's no, there's, mm. there's like, there's actually like one or two things that you can, there's a decisions that you can make in like one or two instances, but it's only yeah. in a very specific, and I thought maybe that should have been expanded where, you know, mm. you could, you could, you know, give advice or, or whatever it might be. But mm. yeah, the, it, you're essentially given four or five things. Some are to do with like arbitrary things like, well, the boats, you know, hull's got to be upgraded to five. You know, like, well, why do they care about that before they get sent off? Yeah. Why, is, why is that bothering them so much that they can't <laughs> go off in peace? But yes, yeah, so I understand what you're saying from that perspective. Um, and I quickly kind of figured out what I, what I needed to worry about and what I didn't. Mm. Um, and really, in the end, it becomes a goose chase for chasing down certain types of materials. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which isn't really what I wanted to get from it. It's odd that they went down this route of saying, you need this really complex stuff to build certain things and you've got to jump through hoops. And the thing is, none of it was challenging. Mm. I think that's the problem, is that there wasn't... A challenge, really. It's it's almost just a case of just having to go through the motions, yeah. and you know you started off you start off the game with these kind of four key kind of spirits, if you like, yeah. that are there. And I thought this is interesting. Like I get to really know these four spirits like really well, and the game will attach me to them in some way. Yes, um, which it kind of does a good job with at the beginning. I felt, and then. I think it's that you you end up to complete the game, like the base game. I think there's twelve spirits. Mm, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a spoiler, but I think there's twelve spirits that you have to, you know, basically, um, you know, make comfortable and, you know, get them to the. Can't think what it's called now. Ever. Yeah. Basically, you have to be, you have to take them to go somewhere else. Essentially, so I don't know where they're even going. Well, what I, I understand know... is they're sort of caught in. They're not. They're, they're dead, but they're not. Yeah. They're not. Settled. It's like a mid realm, isn't it? Yeah, and they want to go off to the afterlife and go and meet yeah. the pets or whatever. You know that. Yeah. That little fantasy world. That's... Unfinished business. Yeah, they're they're bothered about. So it's, yeah. yeah, they're bothered about something, and you've got to be sent off and. Mm. and make them happy and content that like, all right i can leave this world behind and go off to whatever the next the next year yeah and uh yeah i think i i sort of got and i think what i was expecting is this really interesting or emotionally touching undercurrent of a story yeah i think yeah. it's what i was also expecting from the way that it kind of lays it out and if I'm honest, I think that they did a game that was with four or five characters and then for some reason they got carried away um, <laughs> and started just chucking more on top. Whether that was the intention or not, I don't know. But that's how it... It felt like the further I went into the game, and this is where it's difficult, right? The further I went into the game, I kind of lost the connection with the spirits. Right, yeah. And what they wanted to, from me was less emotion involved and less significant to the overall story i felt and therefore i just kind of lost a bit of a connection with the game mm. and um yeah i kind of just felt like if they'd have let me do the initial kind of four or five maybe six 
um, expanded upon those a little bit more and made the undercurrent of the story more interesting, I guess. Because they allude to certain things in that story. Like everyone, on the, although I'm really careful not to tread on spoiler territory, but I don't really feel like there's anything outside of the story that's kind of like spoilers, it's if not that really, makes no, sense. It's not like a massive like twist, is there? It's like, ah, you're actually sending them off to hell. <laughs> Nothing like that. No. It's, it is very, it's very much your, the people that you meet. And I think what well, The people you meet are, 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 are either relatives or friends or significant people to her, which kind of threw me. Yeah, that, like, yeah that's, oh. not, that's not initially... I didn't pick up on that initially, but over time you're like, oh, they've all got some sort of real world link to um, to this character, which I thought yeah. was somewhat interesting. Um, but then that's when I started thinking, well, is this is just becoming complex family affairs. I'm losing track of who's, yeah. who's related to who, who's auntie, yeah. uncle, and I'm like, I lost. Yeah, mm. I started to lose focus on exactly who who meant who to what and then and it becomes less significant yeah absolutely. because there's so many there with their own little story their own little problem their own little take and everything like that um but yeah it's you know it's easy to focus on the negatives i think it is mm. a it, you know it is a relaxing game to play and i think mm. at times i did like the you know, I wouldn't call it emotional, but it did have touching points. I felt like yeah. with some of the characters and the the story that they were talking to and everything. I liked that part of it weirdly, um, and uh, you know, early on, I, I liked the way that you know you have to cook certain meals for them and you have yeah. to do all that kind. Of, there's like a crafting element to it that I liked as well. That's it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I felt like the upgrades to the boat were too long in between. Like it's only really right at the end that I managed to upgrade the boat fully to get the maximum speed and things like that. And it's like yeah. it does take an annoying amount of time sometimes to travel between the little islands mm. to get resources. Although you can obviously teleport essentially, yeah. which was a nice little thing that I think they kind of gave you. Yeah, and they and for people like Ronnie, it gave you this good context good context to be able to use it because yeah. it's there given out you're not just um you know doing the old yeah you're not just sailing there and the screen goes black and then you just appear yeah. there and you're like what's happened on that journey yeah what well, you said um, what? it's a it's a real-time fast travel yeah which you know you have to unlock the points and yeah. stuff and, and they're not you can't go you can't drop anywhere either there's specific points but they're reasonably mm. placed that you're close enough to most of the different and it was yeah and it was close enough to the ones that it brings you back to through the story regularly as well which i thought was a bit of a relief yeah um and obviously there's some interesting i say interesting (laughs) some annoying uh some annoying some less annoying mini games in there that you do have to get certain resources yeah um but yeah i just I, i think it just fatigued me i think mm. the biggest problem was that it's and it goes back to that thing about length where you know, you just start getting a bit fatigued by the repetitive nature of it. Yeah, you I just, think. I found I just wanted to shot these people after a while because they were moaning yeah. about certain foods. I was like, well, I haven't got a fucking cake. I ain't got the ingredients to keep you fed if you want that. And it's it's like, do I do I really care about finding out each and every one of these spirits' favourite food or least favourite food? No. Mm. And if you don't feed them, guess what? They're already dead, so they can't die. So you ain't going to be penalised. They're just going to be moaning. 
So don't be worrying yeah, about I mean, that. Why are they being fed in this I... middle life as well? What's going on there? I was confused about this kind of feeding thing because I was like, <laughs> to your point exactly, like surely that's a surplus requirement. Like, and yeah, it's just it's just irritating having to. There's so many ingredients as well, mm. and there's so many ways to get ingredients. Like you have to crush certain things, you have to mill certain things, yes. you have to get a windmill, like and this that, and the other, and you just go. Uh, and towards the end, I was thinking, can I just buy it from somewhere? Because I've got so many of these glims now that yeah. it's almost ultimately irrelevant. Like, I'm literally just a money-making machine. I'm fucking loaded. But I think that's the that you know I enjoyed my time. I think I I just I just think it would have been better shorter mm. as a game, shorter and more the, condensed. The, I mean, I wouldn't even been thinking back to it. If they just kept five spirits, let's say, and let's say the game's twenty hours. But you're with those five spirits for the whole, for most of the twenty hours. Like yeah. you would then build a much stronger connection with them, and then when you have to do the bit where you say goodbye, that yeah. that's where you get you get those opportunities. And because mm. some of these people are like a revolving door, they sort of pop in for a few hours. You feed them, you, <laughs> you get them a t-shirt they're after, and you send them packing. You kind of like, well, yeah, bye. But I didn't really know you anyway. I think they would yeah. have been better served to creating to shortening the length in total but making the people that you're actually sending off be with you for longer, make their requirements longer, you know, get mm. to know them better rather than just chucking every second cousin that's ever known Stella and yeah. asking you to, to sort them out. But it's like, they, I thought they did that really well for the first yeah. sort of four or five characters. I think they really did build, you know, some sort of character. Like I understood the character and what sort yeah. of person they were. And, you know, I, I, I knew from the sort of person they were what sort of foods they liked and didn't like. Like I knew that. And then, you know, as you get a bit further on, you lose those five and you've got another four on board. You ju- I, and I kind of felt like I've put so much effort into understanding the previous ones. I'm a bit fucked off. I've just had to dispense with them at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, and I know, you, you, you know, you kind of get a feel for how far you are through the game. Like you've done 10 hours and you think, I've got all this shit to unlock and half yeah, the map still sh- ain't done. my ship's only 25% like, done. You're like... Yeah. That's and that's what I mean. Me. You kind of get there and you go, I'm going to have to play the majority of this game now or the next, you know, what ended up being, you know, the next probably, what, 15 to 20 hours with different characters. And I thought that was a bit of a a bit of a bummer, really. Mm. Like I, I, I didn't really like that. And the characters that I did pick up I didn't feel the same connection with because no. I just don't think I didn't feel like the game um, moved in that angle for it. And there are different personalities as well, where you're just like you're just a, you know, you're just not that sort of person I'm going to care about particularly. No. But I think it, you know, it does have to be said. I think the, the the developer based those characters on real life characters mm. so i was reading the credits at the end and i think each one is based on a develop one of the developers relatives or someone Christ. they knew or something you've, like that you've just sat there and insulted them well yeah but it's, <laughs> it's not to say that they're not interested but it's just the way that they then portray it i think in the second half of the game wasn't mm. as good as the first half yeah. i think that's my and that also comes with the fact i think that i was fatigued by it so i probably wasn't paying as much attention as well yeah. all i'm thinking is oh, i've got to go here it's a lot of reading of that, isn't it it's here, not voiced it's a lot of reading to be getting on yeah. with the characters that's that's always well it's not voiced but they all make a distinctive noise <laughs> true so um but yeah i i 
I I didn't. I think the biggest, yeah, the biggest criticism is the length because I think it just overall harms the game. Mm. You know, it, it was longer than I was expecting, but you know me, I'm pretty, I'm quite happy to cut my losses. True. Most of the time, yeah. Like if I go, that ain't pulling me back, then. Um, I'm probably not going to go back. So I was still getting pulled back to yeah. it. Not as brutal as um, Biff in your billion of games, but have been known to walk away from scenarios where it's not up to snuff. I can easily play five to ten hours and go, do you know what? If the if desire ain't there, then buy. buy. Cut, Especially if it's on losses. Game Pass. Yeah. Because you can just do that with it. You can just go, give it a go. If I don't like it, bin. And that's that's the, the attitude I've got with it. But I think the great thing about Game Pass is that you can get these sort of games that you probably wouldn't typically buy and give them a good old go and sometimes you'll be surprised yeah um and i think i would say you know for the majority of it i did enjoy the game but i just think the end the last five to ten hours was was a bit of a slog i have to yeah. be honest it, i did feel like towards the end it was just like get it done get yeah. me out well some good opinion good insight into spirit fairer what well First of all, any other business, any other thoughts that you've you're having or had that need to come in, or do we begin the process as per the agreement of the new process? Well, not new by now, but yeah, you know, I don't think there's anything over and above to add. I think it is, you know, nice. It's a nice little game. Mm. I think is what I would say. I feel like I've kicked it, you know. Well, it's down a little bit, but Booted it. to do to do thirty five hours in it, and you know, I've largely enjoyed that. Other than the last little bit, I think for the majority it is interesting, and I, I did find myself, you know, going to pretty much talk to everyone in the villages to see yeah. what they had to say, yeah. and it does get you that way. And you think, you know, there's loads of little side missions and things, and these little things you can do to help people out that aren't on your boat. Um, for you know, so you kind of take this good Samaritan approach if you want, yeah. Um, so they have put plenty of content there and I think there is a load of stuff that I could have still gone back to the one thing I did at the end was make sure I'd cleared down the map so I went around mm. and just made sure because there were a couple of places that the story wouldn't naturally take you yeah yeah um, so I went around did a quick you know clean up of the map and stuff but didn't, there ac- is... didn't accidentally pick up another spirit did you and think oh fucking hell it's another three hours no, it does quite conveniently say at the end, though. Um, yes. like the last guy you've got basically goes, look, I ain't going anywhere, so don't be waiting around for me to yeah. finally say, take me to the Everdoor. That's it, Everdoor. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a good thing to do. Because I was half thinking to myself, he doesn't look like he's fucking off anywhere, this guy, but I don't want to, you know, it does certain things in the game where certain things will happen after a certain amount of days. Yeah. So you kind of do find yourself pottering about a little bit to see... What the outcome's going to be. And what the outcome's going to be. And after a little while, he goes, look, don't know what's going on here, but I'm stuck here. So it's just me and you, buddy. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I well. Can, I can walk away and do the final yeah. piece of the of the, <laughs> of the puzzle, if you will. Interesting. Well, look, we're outside the, the gaming gallery. Crowds are gathering. Mm. They're expecting big things. I've got the keys in my pocket. Do I need to even bother getting them out at this stage? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're oh. going. I think it, I think we'll go in. Get the keys out. And... <laughs> <He's> actually... <laughs> I might actually get a separate pair of keys for this. Have a little dimp, dimp logo on it. So well, it's, it's made it into the galleries. So it's got further than I did. Mm. I went down the pub straight away. I went, I ain't, I ain't yeah. going in. So 
where are we going to display it in your in your personal wing within the the Dimp Digital Gaming Gallery? Obviously, you've got your your platinums for your special games, you've got your golds for your great games, you've got your silvers for your good games, and you got your bronzes for your decent games. Um, mm. It's going to be one of those. So, where's where's Spirit Ferret going to land? I mean, I'm I'm going to put it in the silver silver wing. I think that's my generic dumping ground. That's my things. dumping ground. Stolen it. Um, but do I normally dump in bronze? Mm, I we've had this conversation. I think you're still yeah. in flux over what gets dumped where. I am serial silver dumper. Like yeah. if it's good, it's good, and I don't overthink it. It's only when I come back and I've got some like T T M N T Shredder's Revenge. I put that in the old bronze category because it's fine, but mm. wasn't. Do you know what I think. I think I will put it in bronze. Right, I feel bad I think, now. I've talked them out. No, them out I, I was gonna, but I thought. Mm, I, I I think if it was ten hours shorter, it goes in right. silver. Yeah, I think that those last ten hours. I, I mean, what I'm trying to do in my head is go. Should I base it on the last ten hours of the first twenty-five? And I think that's the difficulty. And arguably, is it fair to knock it down because of what isn't the majority? Mm. So I should go with the majority of the game, but I just feel like. That last 10 hours felt like 10 hours. Yeah. Um, and I think because of that, it goes in bronze. But if if the whole game was like those first 25 hours, it easily goes in silver. Yeah. I think, I, that's, think. I think that's the correct use of bronze where there's, like, there's a caveat to it. There's something that yeah. just didn't quite bring it to be a well-rounded, good experience, yeah. if you will. When you have mm. when you have something that's quite strong that you feel strongly about, there's a bit of an, an issue. But on yeah. the whole, you think, "Oh, it's a you know, good ideas, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Just wasn't executed to, yeah. you know, to the to the highest possible standard. So, Logan yeah. dumps Spirit Ferret into the the bronze part of his gaming gallery. So there you have it. I feel bad that I've I've influenced that. No, but. you haven't really. I was summoned an R in even before we joined the call. I was thinking, where does it go? Because I always felt like it goes in. And I was going bronze, and I was thinking, oh, is that cruel? And I was like, oh, no, I will go silver. And then, yeah, I think bronze feels right. I mean, it might even be longer than 10 hours, really. Mm. Like, I, I think you get past 20 hours in that game, and you're like, about done here. Are we, are we still doing this? <laughs> like, and I think that's that's the problem. <laughs> it's a nice time, but too much of anything becomes bad. You, yeah, you can, you can overindulge, can't you? It's... Um... It's one of those mm. things. Common though in, in games these days, they they tend to outstay their welcome just a bit too much, but get the odd few that kind of nail it. Well, that's it. Spirit Fair goes into the Dim Digital Gaming Gallery. It was rejected on its first course through last year when I had a go at it. But Logan has uh, has got the boys and gals in from Spirit Fair, so that's going to be immortalised in his bronze part of his his personal wing. I think that's it for this week. We'll uh, we'll wrap the podcast. So nothing more for us to say here, though, other than thanks for your time. And ta-da.
This was a Dimp Digital production.